1: The dream of our mornings the of glory reflected, the shines on the stream, Since the stars
2: to the show this morning, my freedom-loving Americans. I'm Ed Waters, your host. And boy, we're going to talk a little bit about socialism and fascism. What is it? Is it creeping in here in America? Well, I'll tell you, it sure does appear that way. And when we start letting fascist and socialist agendas rule and run America... We're going down the wrong path. Put the brakes on people. And let's understand what fascism and socialism is. Everybody wants to knock the capitalist agenda. But I'll tell you, since capitalist was introduced, with capitalism came a lot of freedom, a lot of Health issues went away. A free market opened up. And people were able to excel, to achieve at their own rate, at their own value. It's up to each individual to excel to their abilities. And how do we change our abilities? We educate ourselves. We put aside all of our pettiness, all of our sorrows, and all of the, oh, poor me's. I know this to be fact. I'm here on this microphone because I got disabled. I cannot do the physical things that I used to be able to do. How I long to do something for America, for myself, for my family, for my friends, And just for my own mental health. So what happened? I had to learn to do something else. You know, I couldn't really talk. I couldn't really read. You know, I I knew how to read and write, sure. But to climb on a microphone and just start a monologue or a dialogue with somebody, that never entered my mind. And I'll tell you, I still try every single day to get up and achieve something for myself. It's not up to somebody else to do that for you. If you want to excel and you want to achieve, you've got to get up and do. And that's the fundamental value of American principles You have the ability to achieve and excel to your status. The only thing that's limiting you is your own self. And that's the truth. You've got to accept truth and fact to carry on in life anyway. So this first clip that we're going to listen to is what is fascism? I think it's time that people really understand because I think the idea has been lost and we don't really understand what fascism or socialism is. These are principles that were formed quite a while ago by people that did not accept the capitalist view. And capitalism. No matter what anybody says, it has helped the world achieve a different status. And I'm talking health. Just the general welfare of the individual has become so much more valuable since capitalism showed up. So let's get into this first audio of what is fascism?
3: As far as political ideologies go, none is more universally reviled than fascism. Although the movement was only in effect for a short while in a select few countries, its repercussions are still felt to this day. So what exactly is fascism? Essentially, fascism was born out of the idea that rational egalitarian democracies would ultimately lead to severe crisis and weakness. Around the late 1800s, a more irrational and emotional structure based on social Darwinism began to overtake the idea that people should have equality. Instead, fascism promised to create the rebirth of a new, stronger, and greater society, stripped of all its weaknesses. Some point to Italian writer and poet Gabriele D'Annunzio as the originator of this ideology. During the 1930s and 40s, it saw significant influence, first in Italy, then in Germany, and finally Japan, although a large number of countries borrowed the ideology around the same time. In effect, fascism operates under a strict doctrine. First off, it attempts to unify countries under a single genetic banner. Often, this nationalism includes the concept of racial or cultural purity as a method of weeding out weakness. Hitler used this to paint Jews and other groups as not being part of a pure Aryan race and thus worthy of being eliminated second is the total control of society and people by the state called totalitarianism citizens are expected to have unwavering faith in a single party ruling elite in nearly all cases a dictator it is intended to directly oppose pluralism which is the ability of multiple parties to compete for power economically fascism seeks to solve the problems of materialist capitalism and marxist socialism In practice, countries did this by promoting private enterprise and handsomely rewarding successful businessmen while abolishing unions. However, the state would only allow businesses which served and promoted the national interests. They also sought to ban foreign trade to avoid becoming dependent on any other country. The end goal is to become fully self-sufficient and to be able to allocate significant resources towards the military. Fascism is also intensely supportive of violence to achieve political means. That specifically includes removing weak people from the fascist state, either by executing or deporting them, all through strict social laws enforced by a violent police army. In the 30s, these were Hitler's brown shirts and Mussolini's black shirts. Finally, as a social ideology, fascism promotes youth and revolution, with a particular focus on strengthening desirable and supposedly moral characteristics. For example, in fascist Italy, homosexuality was seen as moral weakness and expressly forbidden, along with pornography and prostitution. In Nazi Germany, abortions were legal and often compulsory in states of deformity or non-Aryan racial characteristics. However, for healthy Aryan babies, abortion was illegal. Fascism is intended to craft a society to the ultimate ambitions of a single ruling party. As history has shown, this has promoted mass murder, eugenics, censorship, propaganda, and severe inequality. Some have said that fascism defies the political spectrum entirely and is neither left nor right. In the end, fascism is exactly what it sounds like. A complete nightmare. Want to learn more about political theories? Check out our full playlist, including this one all about socialism. For
4: example, in the US's capitalist society, high quality education is expensive, meaning that those who can afford it are generally given better opportunities. Those who can't are forced to compete at a material disadvantage. This leads to class inequality, not on the basis of talent or ability, but on generational wealth. By comparison, in countries like Finland, where high-quality education is free, everyone is given the same opportunity to succeed or fail, regardless of their financial status.
3: Thanks for watching, Test and If you've got any ideas for our next video, let us know in the comments below, and please remember to subscribe.
2: So there you have it. Now, we want to get into this Bernie Sanders issue, because he is the one basically... Uh, Pushing this Democratic Socialism. I never heard of Democratic Socialism. So, why don't we go over and listen to what Bernie Sanders has to say about what Democratic Socialism is. Because any form of Socialism will lead to Communism. You have to understand more power in the state's hands is never good. The power must always remain with the people. And that will always give you a steady and reliable balance. Not always equal, but you can always rely and depend on it because you know that what you do and what you can achieve is up to you. And that is the base principle that we must get in our mind. You can never rely on somebody else to do something for you. If you are going to be one of those type of people, you're going to have a rough life. You know, I do not rely on others. If something has to be done, do it. It's up to you. You're an American. Stand up proud and work hard. If you have the ability, get it done. That's the idea. So this idea of democratic socialism, it's nonsense. Any form of socialism will always end up being communism. And when you have communism, you are putting the power... In a very select few or an individual. That is not good. And fascism, boy, it tends to be rolling pretty hard here in America. We don't need fascism. We don't need socialism. We need American ingenuity. We need people to stand up and get it done. That takes dedication And hard work. Nothing is easy in life. And if you are depending on somebody to do something for you, you'd better change your way because you're going to have a very hard life. Never rely on somebody else to do something for you. Learn, educate yourself, stand up. It doesn't, you've got all of your life, it doesn't matter how long it takes. That blocked me for a long time. That general mentality of, well, I'm already past 25. You know, my life's half over. I, I should just try something else I'm never going to achieve. That type of attitude will never get you anywhere. You can. All you've got to do is get away from negative influence. Those People that tell you you will never achieve, you can't. These are the people that want to keep you down, probably on an equal level playing field of themselves. Never, ever be equal with somebody because we are not equal in this world. We are put on this world as a baby. First thing that we get is slapped to make us cry. Think about it. This is a harsh world and it's time to stand up. You've got to dedicate time to yourself. And that means education. I wish I would have understood that earlier in life myself. So anybody that tells you don't do it, think about their motivation. You can do whatever you set your mind to do. All you've got to do is take baby steps. Get it done. Learn to read. Learn to talk on a microphone. I always suggest a podcast. And a good place to start a podcast is right here on CastBox FM. Or there's Anchor. Both of these places, you can start a free podcast... And have the ability to get your speech out. Free speech is wonderful. And the First Amendment right is beautiful. So, you definitely want to understand what socialism is. You definitely want to understand what fascism is. Once we listen to these next few clips, boy, You should understand. So here we go. Let's listen to Bernie Sanders explaining democratic socialism.
5: You call yourself a democratic socialist. How can any kind of socialist win a general election in the United States?
6: Well, we're going to win because first we're going to explain what democratic socialism is. And what democratic socialism is about is saying that it is immoral and wrong that the top one-tenth of 1% in this country own almost 90%, almost own almost as much wealth as the bottom 90%. That it is wrong today in a rigged economy that 57% of all new income is going to the top 1%. That when you look around the world, you see every other major country providing health care to all people as a right except the United States, you see every other major country saying to moms that when you have a baby we're not going to separate you from your newborn baby because we are going to have we are going to have medical and family paid leave like every other country on earth those are some of the principles that I believe in and I think we should look to countries like Denmark like Sweden and Norway and learn from what they have accomplished for their working people Denmark is a country that has a population. Denmark is a country that has a population of 5.6
7: million people. The question is really about electability here, and that's what I'm trying to get at. You, Sandinistas in Nicaragua. Just this weekend, you said you're not a capitalist. That ad, right itself. Well, first of all, the facts are the facts. Simple. When there is a low, what happened last November, 3% of the American, 80% of young, bringing out huge turnout, excitement all over this country. It's the White House on down, there's excitement and a large vote, what this campaign is doing. Capitalists, though part of the casino capital process by which so f- so many have so little by greed and recklessness. No, I don't. I believe people <laughs> do well, not just to hand- have it. <clears throat> Bernie yeah what socialism is not good anyway next clip and why democratic is gaining popular in the united states red <laughs> massive witch hunts to weed out <laughs> Scary word in the United States. Here, when Congress carried out suspected American communist world war. Our job is, is to distance... from every place for until recently relegated to the sidelines of America. It's taken on more of a positive con... Bernie Sanders from Vermont. When I talk about democratic, talking about Medicare, about democratic socialism. I'm, I'm not looking at Cuba, looking at Denmark, and Sweden. Potential contender was a self-proclaimed socialist who tapped into a huge of the country's disillusionment. Bernie! Bernie! For all students in America, it really resonates change. He's planting the seed. He cares about um, black. This is a movement that's going to exist. Sanders made social. Also paved the way for the rise of other characters like him. House. Sergio <laughs> Cortez had volunteered on. The. Before deciding to run for Congress or sensation after her unprecedented. Despite the fact that. Incumbent, despite the fact, money, despite the fact, despite all those things. AOC. We are in a moment where socialism is. People are affiliating. And pretty incredibly popular. Has also triggered new first. Democrat lawmakers. Socialism your rights with total government political zeitgeist that's upset or the future of politics in America I'm I'm receive receive democratic socialism in america capitalism exists along a sort of ec- At one end the government has total and the other, socialism is somewhere in between the two. Nationalize most all major inism property and resources. Instead, the government rules in a way it deems fair. And democratic socialism lies somewhere between, depending on whom you talk to. Some is pro-market. Others want to, but they do agree on more government. Like universal health care and to... through expanded taxes on corporations, much like the kind of system that you see in. Sounds like so- <laughs> socialism. Uh, what's the difference? Huge difference. Debate over socialism in the U.S. I need to know a little history, too. Even before German radicals Karl the Communist Manifesto in 18- 18, ideals of socialism had already taken. After Thomas Paine's famous war with the British, he using wealthy landowners to help pay all citizens. Sound not- socialism, but it checked a lot of the box. 19th century, the socialist principles, and later flourished. When wealth was suddenly highly few in this gilded age, became a common enemy for
8: population. In 1901, a few pro-socialist groups banded together to form the Socialist Party of America. Within a decade, socialist candidates began winning multiple local, state, and national level elections. By 1912, the party even ran a competitive candidate for president. But then came the First World War, the overthrow of imperialist Russia, and the rise of an oppressive communist Soviet Union. The U.S. government cracked down on perceived disloyalty at home in what became known as the First Red Scare. There had
6: been nationwide raids, and the public seemed glad to have any type of radical brought to trial.
8: American socialism continued to decline in the 1920s. And in the aftermath of the Great Depression, President FDR's New Deal of the 1930s, which promoted huge public works projects and programs like Social Security, only further served to steal the party's thunder. A rolling ball of economic recovery gathers thousands of men and women every week. With the end of World War II and the fall of Nazi Germany leaving a huge power vacuum in Western Europe, the Democratic U.S. and its Western allies began a global, multi-decade battle against the communist USSR and its satellite states. Being a socialist was suddenly as good as being a communist, which was synonymous with being an enemy of the state. Republican Senator Joe McCarthy led the infamous Second Red Scare of the 1950s. a man assigned this
2: communist pledge to pledge to support the Communist Party,
8: it was a brutal and public witch hunt designed to identify anyone from communist sympathizers to secret Soviet agents. No one was free from scrutiny, not school teachers, artists, or journalists.
6: Have you no sense of decency, sir? Let us not assassinate this lad further, Senator. You've done enough.
8: Then the pendulum swung the other way. The 1960s saw the start of a multi-decade surge in left-wing politics. From the counterculture to civil rights and the anti war movement, liberal politics became mainstream. But even with this resurgence of liberal ideas, socialism had faded to the background. Fast forward to 1989.
6: Uh, And we have a remarkable development here tonight at the Brandenburg Gate. On the other side, East Germans have now come to the wall, and many of them have been
4: seen crawling up on the wall, being helped across by West Germans from this side.
8: Down came the Berlin Wall. And with it, the end of the Cold War. The atrocities of autocratic communist states were on the world stage. And for a couple decades, the U.S. was happy to promote the win for democracy and capitalism, while socialism largely slipped out of the lexicon. But then came the 2008 financial crisis.
3: Lehman here is going bankrupt.
6: Some of the biggest names in American business are tonight gone, along with a lot of money and a lot of jobs.
8: As millennials came into adulthood, the formative images seared into their minds weren't of the fall of the Berlin Wall, but of a financial meltdown.
9: The foreclosure rate in this area right now is over 400%.
2: It's a war out there. I mean, these people are losing homes every single day. Yeah,
8: people sleeping on the street, sleeping on bus shelters. Is that where I'm going to end up? Stories like these pushed the country to a breaking point. Public outrage poured into the streets. <laughs> Occupy movements across the country demonized capitalism, blaming it for the country's widespread economic inequality. Burdened by student debt and a tough job market, for many millennials, it seemed the free market wasn't working. Many wanted radical reform, but it wasn't until Bernie Sanders ran for president that they found a bigger name for their cause. America's socialist movement was reborn. Sanders had effectively tapped into a fresh crop of socialists, even though his platform wasn't offering anything particularly different to what he had already been talking about for decades.
6: In our society, theoretically, a democratic society, you have a handful of people who control our economy. You have uh, maybe 2% of the population that owns one-third of the entire wealth of America, 80% of the stocks, 90% of the bonds. And these people have incredible power.
8: Nearly 40 years later, Sanders' vision of a socialist America has finally gone mainstream. Bhaskar Sankara was one of the early adopters. When he launched the magazine Jacobin in 2010, it was, in theory, a pretty bad idea. Not only was print dying, Boscar's niche quarterly was going to target America's socialists before the country had actually started talking or caring about socialism again. But the 21-year-old called student followed his gut, and the gamble paid off. Jacobin struck a nerve and its circulation took off.
5: Socialism in the U.S. has been a marginal force for many decades. So I think we're kind of inventing things from scratch now.
8: A 2018 Gallup poll showed the Democrats have a way more positive image of socialism than they do of capitalism.
5: If you look at Fortune 500 CEOs, these people have tremendous say over your lives, over what you consume, over how you work, over the future of our country. And they're subject to no democratic mandate. They're accountable to to no one but their shareholders
8: and there's one group working to change that on the ground. The Democratic Socialists of America bills itself as the largest socialist organization in the country. It has its own firebrand version of socialism with some members who want to abolish the Senate and get rid of capitalism. It's been around since 1982, but it went from the fringe to the mainstream in 2015. DSA membership is up nearly tenfold since Bernie Sanders came onto the scene and its politicians are winning races across the country at every level of government. The DSA has a huge presence in New York. Every borough has its own branch and Brooklyn has three. We headed to one of their local meetups in Queens to see what they're really like when they meet behind closed doors and to get a feel for what socialist policy actually looks like at the grassroots level. Jackson Heights is one of the most diverse neighborhoods in America. It's also part of New York's 14th congressional district, which is currently represented by AOC. AOC is a card-holding member, as is the politician you see here, New York State Senator Julia Salazar. The two women have a few big things in common. Salazar is 28 years old, a graduate of a top university, and a fresh face in American politics. As democratic socialists, we
10: are acutely aware of the racial bias that is endemic in our criminal legal system. We're acutely aware of how that racial bias intersects with the criminalization of poverty.
8: During our visit, Salazar was talking about criminal justice reform to help drum up support for fellow DSA member Tiffany Caban, a public defender running for Queens District Attorney.
9: Let's go knock some doors and make some change
8: happen. (laughs) We had the chance to canvass with some of Kaban's supporters, like Ryan Bruckenvall, a New York teacher and veteran activist.
5: Our ideal version of America is one where every human being is given the things that they need to survive and thrive. Um, a place where people don't have to go bankrupt from having hospital bills. Making sure that good paying union jobs are provided for those who are looking for them. Making sure that we have a new economy that is sustainable and can continue life on earth as we know it.
8: The DA race is one of many political battles being waged by democratic socialists intent on carving out a place for the DSA and mainstream American politics.
5: Hi, everyone. Welcome. This is the lower Manhattan uh, branch of the DSA.
8: At another meetup of the DSA, this time across town in Manhattan's East Village, another chapter was planning its own offensive. This one centered on ensuring housing as a basic human right through an ambitious universal rent control campaign.
2: So the universal rate control platform is a series of nine bills, and although they are not sort of like utopian socialism, they are by far the strongest uh, offensive use of the law to protect renters that we have virtually ever.
8: Some in the room feared media exposure of their meeting could hurt the movement. One person raised a motion at the start of the meeting requesting that we leave. And we were ultimately asked to turn the cameras off for their strategy session, which goes to show just how sensitive this issue still is politically. But as the democratic socialist movement gains momentum and even real positions of power in the United States, some worry socialism in any form is a slippery slope.
6: Let's by all means have an argument about whether the United States should have a more progressive uh, tax policy. Let's by all means have an argument about whether the the broken system of healthcare in the United States, which is both the most expensive and the least efficient in the world, could be reformed. But let's not dignify socialism, because before you know it, you'll be letting real socialism in by the back door. And that's that's just a disaster waiting to happen.
8: Some point to authoritarian leaders who promised the virtues of socialism, but led their people down a path of economic despair and limited freedoms. Now, critics of socialism will point to examples like Venezuela and the USSR where it hasn't played out well. What do you say to those critics? This speaks
10: partly to the distinction between democratic socialism and socialism more broadly, that under democratic socialism, it's led by the people. There is accountability at every level. Socialist governments throughout history, some of their problems have really been due to a lack of democracy and a socialism that really is driven by the grassroots and by the people.
8: The socialism being promulgated by the DSA has somewhat lost the stigma, partly because it's dropped its Soviet context. It's also less controversial since modern-day America is already deeply rooted in policies once deemed socialist, from five-day work weeks to universal public education, Medicare, Social Security, and public welfare programs. But perhaps most importantly, some say socialism isn't as taboo as it used to be because people don't really care what you call it, so long as it results in a more equitable society. Nobel Prize-winning economist Joseph Stiglitz says the policies tend to speak for themselves.
6: When AOC or Bernie Sanders list the things that they're concerned about, everybody having health insurance and education to live up to their opportunity, a decent retirement, access to a good mortgage or decent housing access to a decent job you ask people do they want that the answer is yes The response among young people if you call that socialist we're socialist if you call that progressive capitalist we're progressive capitalists you know whatever you name it that's what we want and so i think we shouldn't get hung up over these particular
4: words
8: in practical terms, politicians like Bernie Sanders and AOC have a pretty ambitious wish list. Universal health care in the form of Medicare for all, a federal jobs guarantee and a higher minimum wage, mass unionization of the workforce, plus stronger protection for those unions, tuition for university, some form of a universal basic income, the dissolution of ICE, just to name a few. Other, more controversial and contested measures like abolishing the prison system have also made it onto the legislative agendas of some Democratic socialists. Freshman Congresswoman AOC has already begun to aggressively push her socialist agenda on Capitol Hill. Just take the Green New Deal, designed to put a stop to the country's dependence on carbon-based energy. We are facing a national
9: crisis, and if we do not ascend to that crisis... If we tell the American public that we are more willing to invest and bail out big banks than we are willing to
8: invest in our farmers and our urban families, then I don't know what we're here doing. While details for the so-called Green New Deal are sparse, several of the 2020 presidential hopefuls are throwing their weight behind the plan. Then there's Sanders' Medicare for All bill that he formally introduced in 2017 after stumping for it in the 2016 election.
6: I am just very excited about the kind of support our Medicare for All legislation is receiving all across this country and right here in the United States Senate.
8: Bernie's single-payer national health insurance plan has garnered support from many Democrats vying for the party's bid in 2020. AOC and Sanders also back housing as a fundamental right, which is still a pretty radical concept in the U.S. Policy ideas like these may be popular, but there's always that one big question. How do you pay for it? Ten-year estimates from nonpartisan and left-leaning groups show that these proposals could add up to a price tag of more than $42 trillion. And this number does not factor in the expected $11.4 trillion deficit over the next 10 years that's already anticipated under current law. It also doesn't include the Green New Deal, which Republican critics say could cost tens of trillions of dollars.
4: The plans proposed by Senator Sanders and AOC are not remotely affordable in the United States. Any one of them might look affordable in the abstract, but when you put them together, they add up. You're well over $42 trillion over 10 years. Uh, That would basically double the size of the federal government. If you're going to get socialism in America, you need substantially higher taxes, and not just on the rich, but on everybody else. Uh, If you go to Sweden or Norway or Finland, you'll realize that it's not just the
7: rich paying 50 60% taxes, it's the middle class. AOC has put. So
2: we're going to take a break right there just for a moment because we want to give castbox.fm a shout-out. Castbox is where we do our live broadcast each morning. It is a wonderful platform. It gives you the ability to bring your followers into a chat room area. It allows you to live cast your show out, and it allows those participants to call in. And it is a wonderful platform. It's real stable, has good audio quality. And you can start your own podcast for free right here on castbox.fm. Get over here. Become a CastBox kid. It's a wonderful place. I have not seen the friendship and the camaraderie like I have right here on CastBox. I've been all over the internet. And these people actually get involved. They come in, they chat, they like, they share. And that's important. Reciprocal sharing out of your content and creating a unity, a friendship, a brotherhood. It's important. And castbox.fm is a wonderful place to do that. Their ambassadorship program is awesome. They have people that get right on issues and help you figure out the platform and the issues that you are having. You don't have to live cast. You can produce your own podcast. It allows you to take your RSS feed and share it wherever you like. Castbox.fm. It's a wonderful place. Come on over. Get involved. Start getting your First Amendment free speech right. On the ball, people. Get involved. It's election year. We've got some work to do. Let's get back into our little audio.
8: Ford one plan to cover part of that $42 trillion bill. She wants to raise the federal tax rate on incomes over $10 million to 70%. To put that into perspective, Sanders' 2016 presidential platform capped the top tax rate at 54.2%. Assuming no tax planning, AOC's proposal would bring in $700 billion over 10 years. Medicare for All is estimated to be the single biggest expense on the agenda, but it's also one of the policies that Democratic socialists say will actually make money in the end.
5: Well, some of the measures, let's say for health insurance, in fact, I believe there'll be a net savings if you cut out some of the private insurance bureaucracies and some of the waste of this management in our current current system. So I think Medicare for All, for example, would pay for itself and then some.
8: But critics argue the math doesn't work out for a couple different reasons.
5: That's not true at all. First,
4: what Senator Sanders is proposing is extraordinarily larger than anything the private sector does. And it's actually more generous than what other countries do. You could basically get any medical procedure you want any with no deductibles, no co-pays, full long term care for seniors. Nobody does that. Because nobody's figured out how to really create a tax that converts every dollar of private healthcare spending that doesn't bankrupt families and small businesses.
8: One major structural shift being proposed, totally erasing student debt. The College for All Act from Bernie Sanders would erase the student debt of 45 million Americans. He'd pay for that $1.6 trillion expense with a new tax on Wall Street transactions. But democratic socialism isn't just about advocating for these kinds of expansions of the social safety net. The movement is also pushing to give workers more power over corporations. Sanders wants to create more public ownership over corporate boards. Under the plan, corporations would have to do two big things. One, give workers a certain number of seats on its board of directors. And two, contribute stock to an employee-led fund that would pay out regular dividends to the company's workers. Democratic socialists also want to take on banks. In May 2019, Sanders and AOC called banks modern-day loan sharks and proposed a dramatic cut to credit card interest rates.
6: No bank in this country uh, should have credit card interest rates of over
0: 15%.
9: We talk about payday lending, and in New York, we worked very hard to outlaw payday lending. But what happens when everyday banks start to charge higher and higher interest rates. Essentially,
8: your credit card becomes a payday loan. They're also pitching legislation to cap rates on consumer loans. The American Bankers Association argues this plan would ultimately hurt the consumer by restricting their access to credit. But on the whole, policy ideas like these are receiving a lot of positive feedback. Amazon HQ2, on the other hand, wasn't as clear cut a case.
4: Breaking news, Amazon canceling its controversial plans.
8: Now it will not
4: build a headquarters in New York. The world's biggest company just got sent packing thanks to an unfriendly welcome by New Yorkers.
8: In February 2019, the company ditched its plan to build one of its two new headquarters in Queens. The governor and mayor had both backed the deal, as had a majority of New York City's registered voters, according to a Quinnipiac University poll. But there was one very notable figure who was against the plan organizers
9: and, and residents of my community were busting down our doors saying you need to say something mm-hmm. about
8: this. AOC, State Senator Julia Salazar in the DSA, along with a coalition of unions and local left-leaning groups, opposed the $3 billion in state and city tax breaks that Amazon would have received. As AOC celebrated Amazon's decision to pull out of New York. I mean, it shows that everyday Americans... Can have more say in this country than the richest man in the world. Others question whether it was a good thing to bid farewell to the promise of 25 to 40,000 new jobs and about $27 billion in new tax revenue to the city and state.
5: You know, she basically
4: is taking the victory lap while thousands of people lost the American dream opportunity.
8: AOC, on the other hand, saw the pullout as a crucial step in securing a better economy for New Yorkers in the long run.
9: We say it's not just about any job We need to create dignified jobs, jobs that are part of a moral economy.
8: And it wasn't just the job quality that drove socialist opposition to Amazon's New York HQ2. Many socialists also argue that the fact that Amazon was set to take in billions in subsidies in the first place shows that in some ways we already live in a socialist economy, but a deeply flawed one where it's the corporations that get the benefit, not the workers. But even as the policy ideas of AOC and Sanders gain momentum, a lingering question remains. Will that popularity actually count for something when people go to vote? Or could the growing divide in the Democratic Party actually cost them the White House in 2020? President Trump has already begun to capitalize on this ideological rift by weaponizing the word socialism. America will never be a socialist country. But the Democratic Socialists we spoke with think this kind of Red Scare language isn't driving away their voters. They feel their platform resonates not only with more progressive coastal cities, but also with the traditionally hard-to-crack Midwest.
5: I think that a Democratic Socialist candidate actually would have wider appeal in the heartland than they do in wealthy cities on the East Coast. In fact, there's a segment of the Democratic base, uh, real estate developers, trial lawyers, and Silicon Valley tech types that would absolutely abhor a Democratic Socialist candidate like Bernie Sanders.
8: Halsey Hazard is a recent NYU grad, a member of the DSA, and originally hails from Wisconsin. Um, Both of my parents are Republicans, you know, my dad's ex-military. Do you think that New York's version of being a democratic socialist can thrive in the Midwest? I mean, when you look at the fact that like Bernie won 71 out of 72 counties in Wisconsin in the 2016 primary, I think that shows that his sort of politics really resonate with a lot of people in the Midwest, for sure. Part of what's driving socialism's newfound popularity are the same factors that led to President Trump's rise to power. Trump's no socialist, but he won the presidency by promising to shake up the system from within, including by challenging notions of free trade and other capitalist priorities. So whether you ascribe to democratic socialism or not, there does appear to be consensus on one big point about American politics today. The free market system in the U.S. as it is now needs work. Free market titans like Ray Dalio, the billionaire founder of hedge fund Bridgewater Associates, agree that serious change is needed because the current system under capitalism isn't working anymore. Dalio shared his thoughts on LinkedIn in a 7,500 word essay on the subject. He followed up with an April 2019 appearance on 60 Minutes, where he commented on the dire state of the American dream.
6: I think the American dream is lost. I think uh, it's not redistributing opportunity. We can call it a wealth gap. You can call it an income gap. It's a huge issue.
8: Joseph Stiglitz also thinks that a lot of what's fomenting unrest among American voters traces back to free market policies.
6: A lot of the concerns today are generated because the market hasn't solved these problems.
8: Redefining and fixing America's free market policies seems to be rooted, at least in part, in semantics. 20th century labels just don't fit 21st century problems.
6: Here is an economic transition that needs technology, that will create new jobs, that moves our economy also to hopefully a cleaner and healthier economy. And yet we seem to be debating that imperative of change in terms of last century's opposites of capitalism and socialism. It doesn't make sense.
8: So is socialism in the U.S. a genuine and lasting swing left of American voters fed up with the free market? Or is it just a fad, the coolest new catch all for disillusioned people trying to make a stand? Only time will tell.
4: I find it
6: kind of shocking and depressing that the War of Socialism has crept back uh, into
5: some kind of vogue. I really do believe that we should be structuring the economy towards human need and not towards accumulating profit.
4: This is horribly mistaken. But socialism is always popular among young people, uh, perhaps more so now.
10: It wouldn't solve all of the world's problems, but a socialist society is one in which people are more empowered um, to have control over their destiny.
2: So there you have it. I want to thank CNBC for that audio clip. It's available over on YouTube and i did put a link to that in our chat room let's be real here people we have problems in america we have socialism creeping in now let's let's get real and understand social programs and socialism is not the same thing and social programs to do with the welfare of the individuals or the collective should be handled by the church, not the state. And that is actually where charity comes in. See, you should not force somebody to give charity. It should be at their own will. Otherwise, in itself, you're robbing somebody and taking their stuff. How would you feel if somebody came and took your money? You wouldn't feel good. Now, I applaud these thoughts. Let's give everybody in America $1,000. That would be awesome. You know, that's just hype. And it's Hyperboli. it's it, it can't happen. It's not going to happen. Where's the money coming from? I mean, we're already bickering about allocating funds here and there, and you want to stack more funding that has to be collected in taxes from individuals that are out there busting tell doing something. Now, I am telling you, there's a problem when somebody can sit on the corner down here and do nothing but panhandle and then expect their life to be awesome on the back of somebody else. That is not good when you put the power into the state, into the collective, bad things happen. Learn history. This is how we understand things, by history. So you have to step up and educate yourself. It hurts. And accept the truth. Dig into both sides. Understand the argument totally. Don't just hop on the hype bandwagon. We have a big issue with that in America childish behavior. We're even trying to allow children to dictate our legislation now, and it's pretty sickening. Some of the individuals that we have representing us, I I wouldn't trust a thing that they said, and that's sick when we can't trust our own representation. There's issues. There's a lot of men and women that died for these principles that we hold dear here in America. It's time for real men and women to step up to the plate and start speaking out. Truth hurts. It's time to feel a little pain sometimes, you know. We have to take care of the problems and we have to get real. I understand life's hard. I've lived it. I know it. I've been there. But I don't expect somebody else to do it for me. If you expect that, it might never get done. And that's the point. So you've got to take the initiative in your own life to step up to the plate, work towards something. It may take 10, 15 years. But do it. Educate yourself. Learn how to take care of business. That's how we get things done. It's always your right to choose. Choose to educate yourself. It matters. Because we all live here together. And we are only as strong as our weakest link. So it's important to understand people. The bickering is only going to cause weaker links within our society. We should cherish individuals. We should uphold individual rights, the sovereignty of the individual, the human right, the laws granted by nature. These are self evident. And if you Do not adhere to the rights and responsibilities that nature dictates to you. You've got some problems, and you've got to learn how to live with them. It's not up to anybody to take care of me. It's up to myself. Even when I have nothing, I have to figure out for myself the best course of action. It's time for people to start understanding that, waking up, and get real. So, now I want to give a couple plugs here at the end of my live cast today. We have a few different things here. Number one, we want to give a shout out to Andy Hoosier over at The Voice of Reason. Now, HoosierReason.com, you can go over and find Andy, or just Google Andy Hoosier, the voice of reason, and you'll find him. Bright, intelligent young man, they're just starting out with their own media company, and they are stepping up to the plate. They talk their mind. You don't have to agree with everything anybody says. But uh, I always applaud anybody that steps up to the plate and says it how it is. You don't have to agree, but, you know, you've got to do something. And people that are trying to make a difference in the world, thank you. And Andy and his crew over there at the Voice of Reason, go check them out, people. You'll love it. And they're on just about everything on the internet out there. Uh, Yeah, Google them up. Another one, Fireman Rich. He usually does old school audio. Awesome guy to listen to, at Fireman Rich over on Twitter. Another crew we want to plug is the Emily Pearl Show. They do a lot of good things over there. Uh, You can find them on Facebook. And let's see. That's about it for today. We'll plug a few different people here and there on the show. But those people came to mind this morning and you should go check them out. Like always, I open up the mic at the end of the cast here for free speech. I love free speech. I don't have to agree with it, but by God, I love to hear it. And that's the point, because if you're unable to learn from others, you're not going to be able to learn. And just because you disagree with others doesn't mean you cannot communicate effectively with them. That's the point. You can find us over at deadamerica.website. We have a few shows, and they're all right there at deadamerica.website. We have a few things working here, and we are expecting to expand a little bit out. So, it doesn't matter to me. I've got until the rest of my life, see, and I have a voice, and I use it to the best of my ability, and I would like to push that out on the airwaves. You have a voice, use it wisely, educate yourself, and learn to use your voice for the good of all. All right, I'm Ed Waters. Thank you for joining me today, and thank you for listening on the replay. Join us right here on castbox.fm each weekday morning, 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm Ed Waters. You enjoy the day, out.